Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are so encouraged to know that God is using the ocean to impact your life through the ministry of the word. Knowing that your life is being transformed is exactly why we exist. As our vision says, we exist to know Jesus and make him known. So sit back, relax, and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your life through this message. We're going to finish our sermon series titled Different Today. We're on week three of this sermon series. It's been a blast talking about what it means to be different based on the premise that the Bible says we are in the world, but we are not of the world. If you got your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1, and as you're turning there, just a little bit of reminder of the first two weeks. Uh, The big catchphrase for the whole sermon series is simply this, different people make a, different people make a, different people make a, until you all join in, I'm going to keep doing it, different people make a, there it is, I know just by volume whether or not you're paying attention or you're engaged, and I need you to be engaged because the Lord wants to engage with you. Just because the worship service is over doesn't mean it's time to get out your phone and start Facebooking Insta-shaming, all of that stuff, okay? Get off of that stuff and tune in to what God's Word wants to say to you today. Amen? Amen. Amen. The difference maker has made a difference in our lives so that we can make a difference. And so in week one, we talked about different people have a different kind of faith. It's not a worldly kind of faith, but it's, it's a faith that can make it through trials, It's the kind of faith that God builds during the tough times that allows you to make it through the next tough time. Our faith is built because of God's faithfulness. You understand? I mean, I don't know anybody, any better difference makers in the house this morning than the two young people sitting up here. They've made a difference. They've made a difference in our church. We're here today because they've made a difference. And not just here, all over this continent, they make a difference. Even still, you may say, Pastor Jimmy, I'm tired. I don't want to hear about being tired. God wants to use you no matter what. God wants to make a difference through you no matter what. And the first thing is different people. We have a different kind of faith. A faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. Remember that? A faith that is tested is a faith that can be trusted. And we talked about genuine faith as opposed to disingenuous faith, that, that, that kind of faith that, that we, would, we would call an inherited faith. You guys remember that? Inherited faith, the kind of faith that we get from our parents, but it's really not ours. You guys remember that? Uh, it's, it's, well, my mom and dad were Lutheran, so I'm Lutheran. My mom and dad were Catholic, so I'm Catholic. But really, we don't even know what that means. We don't know what it means to be that. We're just that because our parents are that. I shared with you before, my dad was a Baptist, but he never went to no Baptist church. He was a Baptist because his dad was Baptist, and we were just Baptists. I didn't even know what it meant to be Baptist. I didn't go to no Baptist church growing up. I became a simply of God at age 11 uh, with my own faith. It wasn't the faith of my parents. It was my faith. I didn't have an inherited faith. I had a personal faith. I didn't have a shallow faith. We talked about shallow faith and and how even Jesus talked about 
the different kinds of soil that the seed fell on. And some of us, we have a shallow faith. It doesn't, doesn't really mean much. It's, it doesn't allow the, the word of God to take root. We, we, we listen, but we don't hear what God is saying. You understand? And so we're just in and out of church all the time. I said it before. Some of you in this room, three months from now, you won't be in this room because you have a shallow faith. Satan's going to come and he's going to try to, to do something to you in your life and you're going to take the bait and you're going to run because you have a shallow faith. It's not a genuine faith. It's a shallow faith. We have inherited faith, shallow faith, and then conditional faith. God, if you'll do this, then I will do this. But because God didn't do this, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to church anymore because God didn't answer my prayer. Anybody been there? Well, God didn't heal my mama, so I don't love God anymore. He's not the God he said he was. We have a conditional faith. It's not a genuine faith. It's not a faith that can be trusted because it didn't pass a test. Does that make sense? And so we talked about different people have a different faith. Different people last week have different values. We have a different value system than the world. We're not like the world. We shouldn't be comfortable in the world. If you're comfortable here, something's wrong with your Christianity. If you're comfortable in the world you're living in, something's wrong with your walk with Jesus. You should be uncomfortable. Because we are in the world, but we're not of the world. And if we're following Jesus, we have a different value system than the world. And, and we talked about the fact that, that Christians have this value system that, that really is much different from the world. We talked about the idea that we need to, to stay alert because the enemy wants to destroy us, we need to be obedient, and we need to be holy. But we also talked about the fact that that word holy doesn't mean perfection. It actually means to be set apart, set apart for a sacred use. That's what the word holy means. Sometimes we get sidetracked by that word holy. So I can't be holy. There's no, I'm not Jesus. Well, you're right. You're not Jesus, but you can still be holy. You can be set apart for a sacred purpose. In fact, if you've given your life to Jesus, you've already been set apart. You've already been set apart. You may not be walking in it. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. We were called to be holy, and we talked about what's it look like to be set apart for a sacred purpose. How, how do we do that? And we looked at Job when, when the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? He is blameless and upright. He fears God and he shuns evil. And we looked at those four words and what that meant to be blameless, to be upright, to be honest and full of integrity, to fear God, to walk in awe of God, not to be afraid of God, but to continue to have an incredible reverence in your heart for the Lord. We talked about how this world has taken all of the things that were supposed to be sacred and turned them into selfishness. We talked about the three ideologies that plague our world, secularization, pluralization, and privatization, these things that have happened to the Christian faith that are killing our world where there is no norm, there's no shame in the world anymore, there's no truth, there's nothing sacred. There's no meaning. But as Christians, we're supposed to walk different than that. We're not supposed to walk in tolerance. We're supposed to walk in truth. 
I know, I stepped on toes last week. It got, it got hot in here really fast. But I want to remind you, even again today, as the church of Jesus Christ, we're not called to be tolerant. That's the banner of the world today. Just tolerate anyone. Many roads lead to, lead to heaven, but it's just not true. That's a lie. That's a lie from the enemy. There's not a lot of roads that lead to heaven. There's one, and there's a gate. And unless you get through that gate, you're not going to be in heaven. You're going to be in hell. That's the reality. That's truth covered in love. I love you, but I love you enough to be honest with you. All roads don't lead to heaven. Don't be confused. Don't be misled. The Bible says the only way to enter the kingdom of heaven is through Jesus Christ, the Son. That's the gate. And unless you're walking in right relationship with Jesus Christ, you will not spend eternity in heaven. Unless a man be born again, he will not enter the kingdom of heaven. If you're not born again, you're not bound for heaven. That's just truth wrapped in love. I love you enough to be honest with you. I might see it. Whatever. Whatever. I don't believe that. Well, you don't have to believe it. It doesn't make it false. Just because you don't believe it don't mean it's not truth. But as followers of Jesus, we believe that this is the truth. This is God's word. And this is what it says. Unless a man be born again, he will not enter the kingdom of heaven. We're not called to coexist. Don't buy that bumper sticker. Don't put it on your car. Don't buy the T-shirt. We're in the world, but not of the world. We're not here to tolerate. We're here to be truthful. Because the Bible says you will know the truth, and the truth will. Tolerance will hold you captive. Truth will set you free. We have a different set of values. Today we're going to talk about different people having a different purpose. Somebody say amen. We have a different purpose. Once we give our life to Christ, our whole world changes. We have a different purpose. And we see it kind of played out from the Apostle Paul as he writes this letter to young Timothy, his protege, the young man that he is molding and making to, to continue on the work in Paul's absence. And he begins this letter in 2 Timothy by talking about Timothy's faith and how proud he was of Timothy for the faith that he had, the faith that was given to him from the laying on of hands from, from Paul and the faith that, that he had he had learned from his mom and, and his grandma, but now lives in him. And he goes on to say, starting with verse 6, he says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave, the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about your Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Verse 9, he has saved us and called us to a holy life. There it is again. He has called us. He has saved us. He has called us to be set apart not to be the same. He has called us to be different. 
not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose. His purpose. Why did he set us apart? For his purpose. He set us apart for his purpose. Not our purpose, for his purpose. For his purpose. But because of his own purpose and grace. I love verse 9 because in between the words saved and grace, sandwiched in between our salvation and the grace of Jesus are the two words calling and purpose. There was a reason that Jesus died on the cross. It was for our salvation. But because of that salvation, now we have a different purpose. We, we have a calling to be set apart, to be different from the world. Even to be different than what we used to be. You see, the problem with so many of us is we don't have a problem giving Jesus our heart, but we struggle giving Jesus our life. It's easy for us to sit in a service and say, Lord, forgive me. Be Lord of my heart. And we ask him to be Lord of our heart while we remain king of our life. And the problem is we'll surrender our heart on a Sunday morning, but on Monday we control our life. And the tension that everybody has sitting in church is this, is that if you've given your life to Jesus, you know there's supposed to be a change, but we're not willing to do it. And so when the preacher's preaching and we hear something that makes us mad, it's because we've given Jesus our heart, but we haven't surrendered our life. So there's this tension. There's this grind. There's this, I get mad because, I like what you're saying, Pastor Jimmy. I don't agree with it. Is it that you don't agree with it or is that it makes you uncomfortable? Many times we say we don't agree with the word or we don't agree with the pastor. Really, it's not a matter of agreement. It's just we don't like what he's saying because it makes us uncomfortable. Because if it's true, then we can't justify the way we live. Ain't getting no amens. You better help me out, Matrona. You've been gone. I missed your amens. You got to help me out, girl. It's quiet up in her. But I hope you hear me this morning because I want the tension to go away. I don't want the Lord just to have our hearts, but I want him to have our lives. Because the reality is, unless he does, we're no different than the world. But he has called us, set us apart for a holy purpose. What is that purpose? Well, take your Bibles and turn to the book of 2 Corinthians. We're going we're gonna to look at that this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Again, the Apostle Paul writing a letter to the church of Corinth, his second one. This isn't a letter written to unsaved people. This, this is a letter written to Christians. So this letter's for us today. Somebody say amen. amen. You know, sometimes we look at the word of God and say, well, that's for people who don't know Jesus. <laughs> this whole book's for you. <laughs> it's for the saved. How many of you know saved people got issues? <laughs> if the person sitting next to you's got issues, just say amen. amen. That's pretty bold. You may not even know that person. Shoot. Even saved people got issues. That's why we need church. Amen? Amen. 
Amen. Or oh me, whichever. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning with verse 14. We've been called to be different. Paul begins by saying, for Christ's love compels us. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We have a new purpose. But I want to walk you through the process that's kind of lined out in this passage of Scripture. How do we get to this different purpose? Well, when we give our life to Christ, as Paul says here, a lot of things happen. A lot of things should change. In fact, we know that, that it says when we give our life to Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. And, and, and the first thing that happens is this, is we automatically have a different position. When we give our life to Jesus, we have a different position. See, it used to be that I lived over here in my own selfish desires, in my own selfish dreams, in my own selfish ways, wrapped up in my own selfish sin. And this is where Jesus found me. This is where Jesus rescued me, right here in the midst of my stuff. The Bible says that though we were yet sinners, Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sin. And this is where I was when he found me. And praise God, he loved me enough to find me. Amen. Praise God, he kept running after me. Yes. Praise God, he keeps running after you. Some, somebody better say amen. amen. Some of you are still running. You better hope he catches you pretty soon. You know, the gospel's only good news if it gets there in time. <laughs> it's only good news if it gets there in time. And... Uh, I'm so glad Jesus loved me when he found me. In fact, it was his love that, that caused him to come after me. It was his love for me and his heart that caused him to chase after me and to find me. And he didn't just leave me where he found me. He saved me. He rescued me. Somebody say amen. If you've been rescued, say amen. Come on now. He rescued me. He loved me enough to chase me and to save me. But you know what else? He loved me so much that he wasn't willing to leave me here. But he brought me to a new place. He brought me to a new place. So now I'm no longer over there. You see, that's the tension I was talking about. We want this in our heart, but we're not willing to change our position. 
We're not willing to change our position. We know that the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, that when we give our life to Christ, that we've been raised with Christ and seated with him in heavenly places. We don't sit where we used to. We don't, we don't, we, we don't live where we used to live. We've been given a new position. The problem is so many of us don't play our position. We've been given a new position. Anybody here play sports? Grow up playing sports, team sports, not individual sports. You know, sports where you got to rely on somebody else. You know, like for a team, not in your front yard by yourself. We're not talking about dreaming about being Michael Jordan. Maybe you played on a basketball team. I don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe you played football, maybe you played basketball, whatever it is. If you're an athlete and you've played sports, you've heard this phrase your whole life. Play your position. Because what happens when you don't play your position? Things fall apart. I mean, let's just take, for instance, the game of football, what we call soccer in America because we're just ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> the rest of the world calls it football. It makes sense. I grew up playing it, so anyway. What happens when the goalie chooses not to play their position and decides, I just want to play striker this game? You know as well as I do that all the defenders and all the midfielders and all the strikers are going to be yelling at the goalie. What are they going to be saying? Get back here! Get back here! Play your position! Or what happens if all the strikers decide they just want to come back and hang back in the goalie box the whole game? You know them midfielders are going to be so frustrated because they're working their tail ends off to keep that ball on the other side of the field and to push it forward, and then they send it up, and there ain't nobody there. What are the midfielders going to be yelling? Hey, get up there! Play your position! Why? Because when we don't play our position, it's hard to win. And the reason why the church is struggling in the world today is because we have too many Christians who are refusing to play their position. You want to give the Lord your heart, but you want to continue to play your old position. But he didn't call us and save us to play that position. He gave us a new position. He gave us a new position. We're no longer over here. We got to quit coming back to this. But we like this because, Pastor Jimmy, I know this. It's comfortable, and I like the way it feels, and it doesn't even take any brain power for me to, to play this position. I've been playing it so long, I got it down. It's easy. And it's comfortable. It's comfortable back here. I like it here. The problem is, you weren't called to play here. You're called to play here. You, you weren't set apart to stay here. You can't be set apart and stay at the same time. It's impossible. But somehow we try to justify it in our mind, but it's impossible to be set apart and to stay in the same place. But Jesus sets us apart and brings us to this new place we got to be willing to accept it and embrace it. This is our different position. And with the different position, the second thing 
is we have a different perspective. Because when you move and you change around, you have a different perspective. That's why these two cameramen here are sitting in different places. Because one gets one angle, the other one gets a different angle. Why? Because different locations create different perspective. You see things differently from different places. Paul says we, we no longer regard anybody from a worldly point of view. We don't see things the way the world sees them any longer. We have a different perspective. Anybody here afraid of heights? Anybody afraid of heights? Scared like of heights? I used to be so scared of heights, it's crazy, ridiculous. I hate it. I remember when I was in high school, we had to do what we call a ropes course. Anybody ever been on a ropes course, like a high elements course, ropes course? Anybody know what I'm if, you, if you know what I'm talking about, raise your hand so I don't feel like I'm just talking to myself. I remember we, they have this deal at these ropes course called a pamper pole. And it's like a pole that's like 30 feet tall, and you have to climb up this pole, okay? And it's got like this platform, this, this square platform on it. It's not very big. It's like two feet by two feet. And you got to climb up that pole and get on top of it, and you got to jump out and catch a trapeze. Now, you're on a harness. I mean, they, they've got you harnessed up. So you're, if you fall, they're going to catch you, you know, with, with the ropes. That's not an issue. But it's all about overcoming your fears, I remember the first time I climbed that pole, man. I was that kid. I was the last one in line. I'm like, I ain't going. There volunteers? Anybody volunteers? Nope. <laughs> I'm going to get a Coke. I'll be back. That was me. I was the last one to go, man. And I remember my hands being wet and sweaty. And I remember taking that first step on that first peg going up that pole. The second one, I was feeling really good. I got to the third. I'm like, yeah. This is good. Oh, no. I'm not there yet. And I remember step by step, just real slow, you know, all your friends are cheering you on. Yeah, yeah. Except for your close friends, they're like, chicken! You're going to fall! Jimmy, you're going to die today! <laughs> That's your best friends. That's what they're saying to you. Frenemies, that's what I call them. <laughs> You're climbing that pole, and you get to the top, and somehow you got to maneuver your feet up onto that platform, and there's nothing to hold on to. And so it's all about balance. This body doesn't balance anymore. There's no way I'd climb that pole. <laughs> We're a little front heavy. We, it wouldn't be good. Uh, you got to get on that pole, and then you got to stand straight up. Yeah, that pole's doing this while you're on it. But once you get to the top and you stand up and you look around, everything looks totally different. When I was 18, I went to Chicago, went to the Sears Tower. I was informed after first service, it's not even called that anymore. You know, it's bad when you start to show your age. They call it something else. Now I don't even know the change the name of it. But I went to the top of the Sears Tower, which at one time was the tallest building in America. It's not anymore, but the elevator ride was like forever. We got to the top of that. The elevator opened up. I'd never been in a building that tall ever in my life. I grew up in Oklahoma City. We don't have tall buildings in Oklahoma City. Everything's short. And uh, we get to that building, and the elevator opens up. I'm like, this is awesome. Right up to the point, and my friends pushed me out the elevator all the way to the glass wall. I mean, you're like right here, looking out. And you stand there for a minute, and you can see further than you've ever seen your whole life. 
because you're, I don't know how many stories up in the air, but you can see all of Chicago. You can even see across the Great Lakes to Michigan. If you stand there long enough and you're still enough, you can feel that building do this. <laughs> and you're like, are we okay? <laughs> we good? <laughs> but you could see so much. And everything looked so different from the top of that building than it did when we were just outside just moments earlier on the ground where our view was, was hidden behind all of the concrete buildings in downtown Chicago and the wind is blowing everywhere, but all you can see are buildings and your sight is blocked by all the things around you. All of a sudden, you become elevated and put yourself in a new position where you can see things you've never seen before. You have a different position, which gives you a different perspective. And when we give our life to Jesus, it's, it's a lot like getting in that elevator and going to the top of, of the Sears Tower. We, we begin to see things we've never seen before. We view things from a different position, so we have a different perspective. Even in Ephesians, where it talks about being raised with Christ, it says Jesus, that we've been raised with Christ so that he might show us the glorious riches of our inheritance. That we will see things we've never seen before. We'll view things we've never viewed before. Paul talked about the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Paul, he said, I didn't have these things on my own. These are things that were brought to me by the spirit of God. Wisdom and revelation. And if we'll, if we'll allow the Lord to put us in that new position and change our perspective and not see the world like we used to see it, then we'll see things we've never seen before. Amen. We'll view the world differently than we've ever viewed it before. Paul says we view nobody from a worldly point of view. Even though we once viewed Jesus that way, we do so no longer. Why? Because the love of Christ compels us now. It's not about me. It's not about my, my dreams of being a doctor or a lawyer. It's not about my drive to be an accountant or an engineer or to be a CEO or a COO or an administrator. It's, it's not about being a teacher It's about being what God has set you apart to be. Amen. We have a different position. We have a different perspective. We begin to see things differently. That different position, that different perspective brings with it a different kind of passion. All of a sudden, things begin to change when we begin to put ourselves in the place Christ set us apart for. Our drives begin to change. Our hearts begin to change. Those things that once used to seem important to us don't seem important to us anymore. We're different. We're not the same. We're different. Different position, different perspective, different passion all leads to a different purpose. You see, when we're set apart by the Lord, we've been given a different purpose. We've been set apart. It's not about our jobs anymore. It's not about what we wanted for ourselves anymore. Those dreams of being whatever you've dreamed of being, when you give your life to Jesus, those no longer matter. What matters is what does Jesus want for us? You see, Jesus Christ didn't die on a cross for you to be a doctor. 
Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to be an attorney. Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to be a lawyer or a nurse or a teacher. He didn't die on the cross for you to be an entrepreneur. (laughs) Jesus died on the cross for one reason and one reason alone. To redeem mankind from a lost and unholy world. And that is why Paul goes on to write. He has committed to us. He has given to us the message and the ministry of reconciliation. Whereby we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. See, over here, you live life to represent yourself. It's all about me. This is me, Bill. My, 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 I, 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 me, 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 look at me, look at me. I'm all this and a bag of chips, not even a small one, a big one. I'm all that, me, me, me. But all of a sudden, you get moved because you gave your life to Jesus. And now we ain't even dancing. We're kneeling. And we're saying, Lord, it's all about you. It's not about me. It's all about he. It's all about he. What does he want? What does he have? What does he desire? You see, you got to understand your ability to be a doctor, your ability to be a lawyer, that's just a tool for the bigger picture. Don't wake up and say, I'm a doctor. Wake up and say, I'm an ambassador for Jesus. And I may go and, and, and render medical care. I may, I may go and render legal assistance. I may go and impart knowledge as a teacher. But really, that's not my priority. My priority, Jesus, is to preach you and to preach you crucified, to preach you resurrected, and to preach you returning very soon. That is the message and the ministry of reconciliation. That's our new purpose. That's our different purpose. It's not about our gifts and our talents. Those things are great. And trust me, I'm not here to belittle those that you have. I praise God that you have them. But don't mistake the fact that that's not your primary purpose. Your primary purpose is my primary purpose. To be Christ's ambassadors. To go into all the world. To preach the gospel. To go and make disciples of every nation. That's what we've been called to do. We've not been called to stay and be the same, but we have been set apart to go and to tell the world about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That's our different purpose. And when we get to that point and embrace that, our lives will be forever different. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm not at home in Texas right now thinking about where I'm going to go eat Mexican food for lunch. I'd be dreaming about chips and salsa and trying to figure out where the local Starbucks is. I'd be hanging out with my daughter this morning. But God had a different plan. 
God had a different plan. And I love her. I love Caitlin Marie. Oh, and I miss her horribly. I miss Braden. I don't see him either. That's my first son. But God has a plan. God has a purpose. It's no longer about me, 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 me. It's about he, 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 he. And whatever he asks for, I must surrender and give it to him. Amen. Why? Because now I have a different faith. And now I live by different values. And now I have a different purpose. Why? Because I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference. And church, if we will embrace difference instead of fighting it, if we will agree to allow the Lord to create in us a different faith, if we will embrace different values, let go of your worldly lust for heaven's sake. Quit sleeping with him. He's not worth it. He's a chump. If he's a Christian and he's sleeping with you, he's more of a chump. Quote, unquote. I'm telling you, listen to me. If you're hanging out with a bunch of people that don't follow Jesus, stop. Stop. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. If you're going to soar with the eagles, you got to get off the ground with the turkeys. Some of you got to leave them turkey friends of yours alone so that you can soar where Jesus wants you to go. Yes. Your friends will tie you down. You can clap, Nita, that's good. I'm preaching better than you're responding. You don't understand. Embrace the difference. If you'll embrace the difference, the difference maker will embrace you. And together you will make a difference. Amen. If we will embrace the difference as a church and allow the difference maker to embrace us, Ocean Church, we will make a difference in this world. Amen. And that's our heart and that's our hope in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you, Lord, for making a difference in my life. Thank you for making a difference in my life. Thank you for making a difference in my heart. Thank you for making a difference in my home. Lord, we ask you to come and make a difference in our church. Make a difference in our church. Make a difference in your people. If there are those in the room this morning, Lord, that are struggling with embracing the difference because it's uncomfortable, Lord, would you continue to speak to them? Lead them out of their comfort, God, so that they can embrace the difference you desire to make in their life so that they can make a difference. Father, we thank you for this sermon series. God, I pray that you let it continue to speak to us even after today because we know that you've got great things in store for our church. You've got great things in store in our future, God. And as we look ahead, we know that there's a much bigger difference we can make if we'll allow you to make the difference. So God, do it today. 
Do it today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. amen.